Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 52 of History on the Table. Hello, Rich. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's been a minute. It always feels like it's been a minute, probably because we record monthly. That's why it seems so long. But here we are, back in the old podcasting chair. How you been, buddy? Good. Episode 52. We are closing in quickly on episode 100, I guess. I guess so. Round that corner. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. Well, hey, over 52 episodes we've made... We've mostly kept the same format, but we finally, I mean, we've added some things and little things like that, but for the first time tonight, we're trying trying something new, uh, which you'll see just a, a new segment, a little more detail on what, instead of just saying like, hey, I bought this thing, like what new things are, are getting us excited? What are we looking forward to in the hobby? That type of thing. You'll see that. If, if you like it, let us know if you want us to change it, all that. But anyways, it's us. We're here. We're here to talk about war games. And by the time this drops, it will officially be spooky season. You've been talking about it for a while. You're one of those people that talks about it too early, I think. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm already, yeah, I'm balls deep into it already, though. <laughs> like, I'm, I've uh, I've read some spooky stuff. I've played some spooky stuff. I'm I'm all in on, uh, on spooky season. We're going to cover that. We'll yeah, there. after we talk about yeah. the war games. We, uh, we push all the war games off the table and we talk about things like spooky season and i don't know yeah whatever else tickles our fancy i played a war game today i even played it with another person it was wild i saw a picture of this i'm very jealous of what you play yeah yeah so i played a dnbn food today a couple turns of it anyway it was my daughter's been interested in it for a while and she's been wanting to learn it so we got it out i was trying to remember i'm gonna scroll down here when when did we review that episode 25 so that was a while ago that was like two years ago basically and uh, yeah, so I don't I don't think I've played it since then. So, you know, it was a little rusty for me, too. But we played a couple turns of it, just enough to really, you know, see what it's all about so that she could get an understanding of it. Next time, next time we set it back up, it'll, uh, you know, we'll be good to go. That's outstanding. Yeah. So Diem Bin Fu is a game from Kim Kanger covering the... Vietnamese siege of the French outposts mm-hmm. in Dien Bien Phu, kind of pre-Vietnam. Yep, and Kim's even got himself on a counter. It is a brilliant game uh, where the French are doing this kind of really cool uh, supply management through the airdrops, what they're kind of sacrificing, what they're deciding to try to bring in. Yeah, and that's what actually she was most disappointed because we didn't get to that part of it. She was really oh, excited yeah. about the you know, planes getting shot down and aborting and everything and losing supplies mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. And the kind of like each, it, not a gimmick, but each side kind of has its own feature. And like the Vietnamese oh, side sure. are advancing these, uh, the trench lines, right. To, yeah. to conduct their siege. Yeah, one of the things, a great game. Yeah. One of the things I thought was really cool is, so I, I distinctly remember the very first time I set the game up. I think I even posted it on Twitter or whatever at the time. I was like, there is no way, you look at all the French guys and and the not that many Vietnamese guys, and you you say there's no way the Vietnamese can win this battle. And we set the game up, and she was playing the French, and she said the exact same thing. I'm like, <laughs> wait and see. <laughs> nice, I love that. Yeah. I love to hear that. Cool, that's awesome that you played it with your daughter. Yeah. Good. Uh, I played something pretty recently. It was awesome. We don't normally talk about miniature stuff here, but this is. 
big nasty things shooting big nasty weapons at each other so i think it fits i played a three-player game of kill team oh how's that work which was just free for all uh, just like regular kill team uh free for all yeah yeah it's it's three players so i guess it could lend itself to bad feel situation but <laughs> we had one player I was playing with two Zacks. So one of the Zacks was playing the Necrons, and Necrons will regenerate. And they he had like three he had like one free regenerate, his overall like his big bad could regenerate, and then one other thing was allowing him to regenerate. So even if we killed them, they would pop back up. So I think the other Zach and I both realized that's really strong and we kind of pounced on him. And it was it was very good. It had been I think about a year. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. I don't quite remember last time I played. It was it was really good. Kill Team is a very great, solid tactical design. How like how big is Kill Team? Is that that's a smaller version of Warhammer, right? Smaller version, and you only bring in about ten units. Okay, cool. Like, and that depends. Like, if you're playing like a faction that is weaker than a Space Marine you're going to bring in like 10 units. Okay. Whereas something strong might only bring in six units or something like that. And what was the table size? It is, oh, I looked it up. It's like, maybe it's three by three or maybe a little smaller like that, two by three or something like that. I don't remember what the what the size is but because we had to put two boards together. Okay. Uh, and it fit on my five by three table with plenty of room on the sides. So. Cool. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Kill Team, you know, it's, my roots in tactical combat come from things like ASL and and those types of things, but it's interesting to you, you scratch a similar itch, but even more zoomed in, and and still s- some of the tactical design elements kind of come through. It's it's very different games. I'm not trying to say that yeah. Kill Team is the same as ASL, but they're they're scratching similar itches. Oh yeah, uh, but Kill Team brilliant design. It's it's really good. I like minis games. I play Star Wars Legion. If I didn't already have that, you know, I could see myself playing warhammer or 40k or one of those but and then you know historical minis too i i would love someday to have a uh, a bunch of little plastic ships that i can sail around a table and shoot at each other sure chain of command has always tempted me which would be kind of equivalent to kill team but with historicals and that's a highly received well-received miniatures game with smaller engagements you're not bringing like a massive army it's i don't know a couple of squads yeah and uh I, i've painted up some fins for that and i have the rule book lying around somewhere i just don't even want to play with cool. or terrain or any of the other elements right. but that's another one I'd, I'd like to try on the circle front yeah but other than uh, our featured game and a whole bunch of euros and crap like that <laughs> that's that's about it for me and the the shooty shooty things what about you yeah i've played a few other strictly online um but they still count mm. so and all of these are like you know barely played a turn or something so i am playing in the uh, next world poland tournament nice so we've played well we haven't finished our first turn on that one. Oh uh, no i should take that back we finished our first turn but we haven't finished the first round which is three turns so um it's it's fun you know we're just we're both kind of i think he's played it before i have not so really it's very this is round zero of the tournament it doesn't really count yet, so it's just a chance to kind of get your feet wet and see how it works. So it's good. Um, nice small map. The Vassal module, somebody, you know, did some work on it to make it a little more streamlined and everything. Um, but it's it's obviously going to be much better just on the table. Everything is right there. The Vassal module 
like I said, they streamlined it, but there's parts of it that are still kind of weird. So, um, but I am playing that. Um, I'm playing a game of the U.S. Civil War. Uh, have you heard of that Love game it. before? Yeah, okay. I'm very interested in it. Right, yeah, you should try it sometime. Um, and yeah, super early into that one. I think we're still in the, the first. No, I think we finished our first turn on that one as well. But that one's totally my fault for just not getting to it. And Empire of the Sun as well. So we're early on in that one. But all of those are games that I'm just... Well, next for Poland, we were playing live. Uh, the other two, I'm just playing by email. Well, Empire of the Sun, we'll probably talk a little bit later in terms of the the vassal module. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I've, I've had plenty of Rally of the Troops stuff going on. But I, I got to say, over the summer, you know, <laughs> when things were cooled down and I, was, I wasn't playing a ton of Rally of the Troops, but I've been firing Nevsky back up like, oh, yeah. on demand. Just still, what a, what a great game. Absolutely. <laughs> just like I'm, yeah. yeah, Nevsky, and the more I play it, the better I get at it. I think I said in the last show that by this time I probably would have played Plantagenet, but that did not happen this month. So yeah, yeah, it keeps. Uh, <laughs> that's a good segue. It, it was almost my uh, the thing that has me hot blooded. Do you want to take a cold stab at the song tonight, or do you just want to you just want to tease that? And uh, yeah, usually <laughs> I get a pitch pipe before I sing. Hot blooded, try me and see. I got a fever of 103. He's got Something board like games that. over 103. Yeah, we have to be legally distinct, but I love it. That's brilliant. We don't need anything else. No, I think else. we can play like five seconds of a song without uh, without having to pay copyright, so we're yeah, good to someone, go. Someone ask an attorney. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you, Rich. That was brilliant and beautiful and way better than I could ever do, so thank you. So, yeah, our, our new segment, that's hot-blooded. What's what's boiling our blood? What are we all horned up for? What's what's new? What game news dropped that has us all fired up? What's new on the shelf? So a little more. The goal here is is what I always thought is, I love saying, like, I got this new game, right? But sometimes it's just like, I got this new game. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> so, Rich, cut the music. Stop singing. All right. Hear stopped. me out. Okay, now turn turn some turn some redemption music back on. Redemption music. I need some redemption music. You know what? It's been a long time since you and I have talked about Compass games in a positive light. We give them a hard time. That's not true. I talked about Barlev last month or month month before. That's a Compass game. Fair, fair. But we are harsh on them. Let me put it this Absolutely. way: we have not we have not talked positively about like a new release or something new coming out from Compass because yeah. Compass has I think firmly. Our, our default is we wait and see on all Compass games. They don't get the benefit of that out ever. <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. So, I something new is is on the way. I didn't kickstart it because I refused to kickstart a Compass game. For the first time in Compass, cold. Now, the lineage here is well established, and when the news came out, I received quite a few messages that, hey, Russia Besiege is getting a Finnish expansion. Now, the expansion is not standalone, but Rich, I have to tell you, I am very fired up for Russia Besieged and Russia Besieged Finnish expansion. Now, Russia Besiege is here. So is this a an actual new game, or is this one of Compass's re-releases, whatever they call it? Signature so Russia, edition. I don't know if it's... I think the signature edition postdates the, the deluxe edition of Russia Besiege. <laughs> okay. But Russia Besieged is the third edition of a game that uh, designed by Art Lupinacci. 
Okay. And it originally came out in like 2004, and I think it had some other uh, design releases. But it has great reviews. And what's interesting is I'm I'm flipping through massive counters like everything's blowing up if, if you're if your eyes are going out this is a game for you let me tell you because everything is very legible very big font but i open up the rule book and there's no summary of what the game really is it just says it's a two-player game covering the eastern front and then it immediately dives into there are no counters in the game for persia iraq lebanon and syria like you have four sentences describing the game and then you turn the page and you're straight into the sequence of play and stuff Okay. So what Russia besieges, it's a strategic game covering the Eastern Front in its entirety. And what's particularly interesting here is like the Russians have like uh I the name uh not warehouse but like manufacturing units and oil is is relevant. So to so some this extent is real strategic. Yes. Okay. And so the rules are I'm very excited to, to hopefully get this to the table this month, but it's like 46 pages of rule. And the deluxe edition comes with like an FAQ and a bunch of plays, examples of play, like its own separate document guiding you through this game. Um, but yeah, it's army scale. And, you know, it's it's the kind of, uh, it's Eastern Front. It's Germany has some auto win conditions. They're hard to meet. And then it's kind of how long is Germany do you want to turn up the offensive before the Russian war machine kicks on and, and starts kicking your ass back. And then, you know, how long can you make a defense? Okay. So, yeah, I'm very excited for this. Had I had actually not heard of Russia Besiege until people started telling me about the the Finnish expansion. Had are, based off what it sounded like, you hadn't heard of I, it. Yeah, before. I don't. I don't think I knew anything about it. It's one of those games that's got a name, and you you hear it, and I'm, okay, that sounds like a war game. But I don't. I don't have any specific knowledge of this one. Okay. Yeah. I mean. If if you were to like open up a box or whatever, I think the first thing you would say is "Holy shit, that's big font!" Like it's <laughs> I can't even explain like how big the font is on everything. I think you could probably have like a twenty page rule book, uh, but that's good. And I yeah, I'm just very excited to see how this plays. Obviously, I'm most excited to get the the fins introduced somehow. I, there are finish only scenarios, or I shouldn't say finish only. There are scenarios that are more focused in Finland is what it looked like, but it, Finland itself is not a standalone game. So you still have to play Russia Besiege, which makes sense because it's it's covering the whole Eastern Front. And okay. that's, uh, yeah, Russia Besieged. Cool. Deluxe Edition and Russia Besieged Finnish Expansion. So you own this game or you're going to pre-order it? What's the deal with it? Yeah, so Finnish Expansion is just not here yet. Um, because I didn't get it through Compass's Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting on a, a copy from a third party to get here. And gotcha. then I have Russia Besieged Deluxe Edition. Okay. You could have ordered Deluxe Edition with the Finnish expansion, but uh, I like Noble Knight or someone had one with like a, sh- a tear in the shrink wrap for cheaper than what Compass was selling it for in the Kickstarter. So I just got it through that. So I have that. And that's what I've been messing around with very, very lightly. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super interested. I'm, I'm, I would say I'm adequately excited. I'm adequately horned up about Russia besieged. <laughs> so you're warm blooded. I would I would say I'm fairly hot blooded. Actually, it's it'll be nice to go back to. I mean, I guess the last like really good compassing I played was Brotherhood and Unity, 
Unless I'm forgetting something. But that's the only thing that's coming to mind. Yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah. Cool. And they're on their, you know, this is like the third version of it. So there's not a lot of... Sometimes my biggest issue with Compass games is how much playtesting has gone into it. Yeah. And how much errata are you going to have the first go around? The good news here is you're on third edition of a game that people are passionate about that I just don't think there's a lot of errata out there for it. Well, they've done years of playtesting on Battle Hymn too. <sighs> I'm cold-blooded <laughs> on <laughs> Battle Hymn Volume 2. What a disappointment. Someone brought up Battlehead the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to like find some reference for like something I saw like four years ago about it. And I'm like <laughs> ten minutes into my search, like on Facebook going through a compass post. And I just stopped. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why do I even <laughs> this game is never gonna see the light of day? What do I even care about this four year old post and like provide a link to it? Yeah. I, I don't care. So I closed out and said I'm not not touching this again. Yeah. All right, Rich. What's got you what's got you fired up? October thirty first. October 31st, it's not just Halloween, it's also Reformation Day. So, That's right. Yeah, every year, except for last year, because I had a guy flake on me and we had to end up canceling and pissed me off. But every other year, right around uh, Reformation Day, we play Here I Stand at my house. So um, we're all set up to go this year. I've got five other players ready to go. We're going to play all day. And honestly, this is just like one of my highlights of the year. That's why it pissed me off so much last year when we had to cancel at the last minute. Because, you know, I mean, you got a bunch of people that are committed to playing this and then you have to stop. So, But we're back at it this year. We're going to play on October 28th. I'm going to have everybody over. And I don't even know who I'm going to play yet. I'm thinking I might pick the Ottomans because I haven't played them in a while and just want to do something different. But no matter what I do, I'm just, this is always this. And usually once a year, I host a Twilight Imperium game. Those are usually like my two biggest days of the year for, for gaming. So super excited about it. Um, if you haven't played Here I Stand, you can play it online. Um, I, I have... I'm not currently playing. After the last game, I took a break from playing online, playing by email. You can play it that way, but sit six people down at a table that are committed to playing for 10 or 12 hours if it takes that long. Usually doesn't, but six people that are committed to playing, it's going to be a great day of gaming, even if you've never played it before. I mean, I've had... I've played with multiple players that have never played it before, and, you know, a couple couple turns in, they've, they've got it figured out. You know, mm-hmm. you play your faction... You know what to do. You may not be the best at it, but you you'll you'll still have a good time. So that's what I'm excited about right now, because it's here I stand month. Awesome, I love it. I'll 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 permit this uh, this hot bloodedness on a on a 20 year <laughs> game or however old the game is now, whatever it is, doesn't yeah. matter. I'll yeah. permit this because I agree 100 percent that a a game day of here i stand and we've said it before is just hard to top like that's just a solid day mm-hmm. of historical gaming i mean i think republic of rome tops it but there's not much that tops it yeah but i don't own republic of rome if i did i'd host that once a year for sure too no no i think uh here i stand adequately uh adequately uh hot-blooded for good good yeah be interested to hear it go i remember your last one getting canceled and uh We'll see. We'll see how you did in a month yeah. when we record. I guess we'll have to record after the twenty eighth. That's probably fine. Yeah, won't be recording on that day. I'll be too tired. <laughs> <laughs> Just could live, live up, record as you play. What could go wrong? 
All right, Rich, I made an executive decision. I moved your book to our recommended reading because we read the same thing, and I think we both read it for our, our featured yeah, game. sure. So we, so without, we have without read nothing. We read nothing. I've actually read a shit ton, uh, but yeah, it's all tied too, in. But nothing that we would talk about here. So stick around for that juicy little tidbit because you're gonna <laughs> hear about that later, folks. It's spooky season. Hold on, we'll get to it. All right. So, Rich, our featured game this month. I'm very excited what the pick was. Yes, and that's that's what we're alluding to. So, our featured our our reading we did we're was there. for our featured game. We've yeah, we're there. It. We're there. We we are here. We're talking about our featured game. Yeah. So, did we pick this one or of... the the fans pick it? I can't remember. This was voted in. This voted in. All right. So, it's a big game. Um, it's it's more it than is. one game. It's on to Richmond two, the sequel, yes. the Union <laughs> Strikes South. Uh, so two. it's a new game by multi-man publishing uh, obviously because it's two you can tell it's a re-release of a sort you'll talk about that in a second but joseph Bokoski, um, ed beach chris withers if you're fans of the great campaigns of the american civil war you know those names art by nicholas scooby and charlie keebler if you are fans of poor gaming and MMP, <laughs> you know those names. I don't know the artist names ever, but I know those two names. So, yep. and like I said, it's brand new. It just came out 2023. I think I've had my copy for two months. Um, they ran into an issue with some of the maps. So they actually stopped sending games out for a while. So some of the people, I don't, I don't know if everybody that pre-ordered it has it by now, probably. Um, yeah. But yeah. They're it's, it's a new, it's a brand new game is all I'm getting at. Awesome. The one thing I'll just add to that, because I ended up getting my copy through AGR Sales. Oh, okay. not affiliated anyway, but AGR Sales is a great place. A great rooster sales is a great place to pick up games if you miss, like, pre-order prices. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, I said, does this have the new maps? <laughs> if you're curious about that, MMP did not send any games directly to third-party vendors until the new maps came in. Oh, okay. Now... That's different if you're buying from like Noble Knight and someone has traded in. But for for a third party vendor who bought from MMP, my understanding is all those third party copies had the corrected maps. And even if you have the wrong maps, it's not that it's not that big a deal. MMP is just like some other publishers we've talked about where they recut their maps when they found out that they weren't cut correctly. Yeah. But I'm not still salty about something from two years ago. <laughs> Don't worry about me. Mine was kind of funny though because I got it. I'm guessing two months ago, approximately, it doesn't matter, but I didn't open it until about a month ago, and I started laying it out, and I got everything out, and I looked, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about the maps, because I had those set aside somewhere, so I didn't didn't notice until I got it out, and then I grabbed the old map, so I don't know what to do with the other maps, it's weird. Am I supposed to throw those away? I can't throw stuff like that away, it's too weird. You know, I've started throwing game boxes away like my last hundred yard yeah. boxes trashed them i throw, I've kept i throw away the inserts like especially gmt sure. does a lot of those weird little inserts those always go straight to the trash um but yeah i don't i think even like if i've got an expansion and i put <laughs> i'm off on a rabbit trail now if i combine an expansion and a main game i still have trouble throwing the expansion box away uh no i just decided <laughs> i need i need more space for more games yeah. but Speaking of more space for more games, there's three games in this box as you alluded to. So we have a reprint of both Grant Takes Command and On to Richmond. And uh, the Grant Takes Command reprint is especially welcomed with the new beautiful art encounters. And then we have a new game, and that's the Petersburg campaign. So On to Richmond 2 is basically McClellan's Peninsula campaign covering 1862 in the U.S. Civil, uh, uh, American Civil War. 
Uh, Grant takes command two is the spring and early summer uh, portion of 1864. And then the Petersburg campaign is really attack on two. Grant takes command two, basically extending that time period to um, the rest of 1864, 1865, leading up until like the retreat to Appomattox, things like that. All said, there's 30 scenarios plus 30 scenarios in the box. And then if you wanted to play like the grand campaign stuff and combine those, that's there as well so and it's you can nice combine it with other games as well Stonewall yeah that's the grand stuff yeah. yep yep yeah so a lot in this box you're it's really the counters for two games you have a set of counters for otr on the richmond and then you have a set of counters for grant takes command and petersburg campaign and then you have uh four maps so yeah there's a lot of stuff here so have you, have you had a chance to play something from all three Yes, okay. I, I only one scenario from Petersburg campaign, and that's what we played at the Kansas City Historical Gaming Group this morning, actually. So I'm coming in fresh off a of thorough butt kicking. I <laughs> was stomped. And okay. yeah, I played a little bit of everything. Petersburg is the only one that I have not played at all. So, And but without getting too far before we talk about like what the how the game plays and stuff, I'll tell you that Petersburg feels the most different. Interesting. And I think, one, it's not the reprint. It's a new design. Sure. So I think they're trying out some new things. And also, Petersburg campaign, you lose a lot of... The first thing I noticed, looking over the scenarios, I've only played one. I didn't play the advanced scenario. We did the fifth offensive. So the last offensive before, um, like, the retreat type of Maddox. It... The cast of characters is so different at that point. And one thing I like in particular, I like seeing like George Thomas or, uh, you know, Meade's present or something like that. But at this point, especially on the Confederate side, it's a bunch of nobodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I shouldn't say nobodies, but it's so different. And the the Confederate player objectives... And a lot of the scenarios is just kind of hold on. Sure. And then specifically in scenario 10, which is the last standard game scenario, it's a retreat out of there. You're retreating to Appomattox and you're just, it's a fighting withdrawal. And I mean, that's, that's not too different than other late war games, but it definitely something about Petersburg campaign, just reading through the scenarios when we were trying to find what we were going to play this morning. Um, it just felt different, if that makes sense. Not a bad way, but okay, just not not the same. So we've talked about GCACW a good amount. We're both huge fans. Oh yeah, GCACW is. Did we ever officially do our like best series list? I know that we're no that around, but it it got it got to be too many things. It could be a series, but and then too many debates of what is a series. I think GCACW probably would have won. I think so. If you leave it up like to a fan vote, I, I think so. I mean, yeah. I think it, yeah. It definitely, I mean, it's always performed well in our March Madness bracket, mm-hmm. right? When we combine all the GCACW games into one, which probably helps it some. But the characteristics of a GCACW game is, and I will talk generally here, is divisional. Generally, you're issuing orders to divisions, 
that'll change. Sometimes it's regiments, sometimes it's quasi divisions. And then obviously you have cav that you're commanding and it is campaign based as the, the series title would have you believe. So it is very zoomed out. You are maneuvering over large swaths of terrain and combat is really just kind of comes down to roll a die, big retreats, come back and, you got to wait until your men kind of recoup their strength before you you do anything again. Uh, maneuvering and your decisions where you park your armies is one of my favorite things and just a defining characteristic of the game for me. And kind of my favorite thing of GCACW is the fatigue. So as oh, yeah. you're activating these divisions, they will increase their fatigue. And at a certain point... Once you have two fatigue and as you move into three fatigue, you'll be going, you're extending their marches, you know, for that day. And that may cause them to exhaust. If they're already exhausted, they might lose manpower. You know, stragglers get left behind and that type of thing. Yeah. That, and that's the big thing about this game. Like you said, is the fatigue. So um, every turn, well, every time you end an activation, both players are going to roll to see who gets to go next. So, you know, if I get lucky with my dice or the DRMs are in my favor or whatever, I can go a bunch of times in a row, but, and I can pick anyone I want. I can keep picking the same guy and march him further and further, but those guys are just going to get tired out, get less effective. And the strategy is how far do you want to push your guys before they just get so exhausted that they are no longer effective. Absolutely. I'd say, one other thing, like big picture that GCACW does extremely well, and I guarantee some people find, I know people find this frustrating, is the way it captures the uncertainty of command in the Americans of War's randomness. Oh, yeah. So you activate, let's say you activate, um, I don't know. Pick a, pick a division. I, my, all the names are escaping me. Uh, Crawford's division, right? So you're going to activate, I think that's actually cavalry. doesn't matter. You activate Crawford, right? And you roll, you fatigue him, and then you roll for movement, and then you roll a one. Mm-hmm. And depending if that's Union or Confederate, you'll get some modifiers, and so you might move one or two, and then whether or not you lose a, use a leader, like a core leader, you can kind of boost movement to uh, by using a core leader to get some extra die roll modifiers. You might be moving one or two hexes, and so it's like, oh, damn it, I just moved him to fatigue two, and all he's doing is moving one hex. Well, now I'm going to have to put him on fatigue three. Yeah. But when you read about the Civil War and all the shit that would constantly go wrong because 100,000 men present on the peninsula and you don't have instant communication, it makes sense, and I think it makes sense. Like it, it's beautiful how well it captures the chaos and uncertainty of of the Civil War in the time period. So the dice are random, and they will punish you. But boy, do I love it! Yeah, like and it's roll, it's roll to move. Is what I'm saying. You roll to move, and the game also has a lot of chrome. So yeah, the the Confederates are always going to be faster. Um, yep. but it does come down to the dice at the end, and it's even more than just rolling to move. Um. Every game is a little different based on, you know, the leaders that they had at that time. But on to Richmond is the one that I've played the most. And so like the union leaders, you know, normally, you know, you can activate a guy and activate the guys around him. But depending on what your initiative role was, you may even activate the leader and he can only bring one other guy with him, which means if you want to move his three or four guys that are all in his formation together, it's going to take more turns, more time to do all of that. 
Um, so that's, that's one thing that, you know, the, the game bakes in, you know, more than just leader ratings or anything like that. But, um, what the performance was of the different leaders on the map at the time. And then, yeah, I mean, the, well, the, hold on before you go into your sure. next thought, I just want to point out the reason that's important is a lot of times if you're not playing like a grand, um, or not grand, like an advanced scenario, mm-hmm. if you're just playing like a standard game scenario, a lot of times uh, it comes down to control of hexes and, because of maneuvering in this game, you also want to control river crossings. You want to get across creeks. You want to use the terrain to your advantage. In tons of scenarios, you want to be the first one to move sure, to X. Absolutely. You want to be so. If you can group up those group activations by activating a core, and you activate, you know, everyone in that core, that means you're activating three guys before you roll initiative again to see who gets to go next so that's why that's why that's important your your comment about like you may have to wait longer you take more turns to get there you want to in some games you want to be activating as quickly as possible to get the jump on the enemy that's not always the case like sometimes you're on the defensive and you kind of want to see how they're going to move but i just wanted to like chime in like why that that kind of timing of activations is is so important in gcacw and the role to move is I mean, honestly, it's just, it's historically accurate. Every civil war book that I've ever read has been, has talked about guys that were supposed to be here at nine o'clock and they, (laughs) they're two hours late and they screwed up the whole attack. I mean, Stonewall Jackson is known for having like, they called them the foot cavalry because they moved so fast, but during the battles of like the onto Richmond, they didn't. I mean, where I'm, is Jackson? Yeah, like I'm, I'm reading the book and I'm thinking he just rolled a one on his movement roll. <laughs> well, well, that's that's notoriously when when Jackson yeah. took his nap, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the one guy we'll talk about the book later, but the one guy walks up, he's like, "You're yeah, all supposed to be in a hurry." And I walk up and I see Stonewall Jackson just like leaning up against the wall <laughs> talking to a guy. <laughs> Yeah, and I it's there's other ways where the game captures that that flavor of the, of the American Civil War, mm-hmm. and I, I'm gonna let you talk about because I know it's one of your favorite mechanics in all of gaming, and that's yeah. cav retreats. Oh, absolutely. This I think uh, GCACW and maybe have been Atlanta as ours was the first one I played, but in any case, the series has the same basic cav rules. But that was like the first time that I ever said this is the first game that cav makes a lot of sense because Mm -hmm. basically, I mean, you can park a tiny little cav unit and his job is just to slow down the big infantry units. You know, they approach him and he, you know, he's, it's going to cost him something. He'll get fatigued and disordered and all that, but he can basically stop a big infantry unit dead in its tracks and suck up their movement points, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. when you're already, you know, roll to move your movement points are already precious. Anyway, it can be really frustrating. Cause here I got like this big 18th strength point guy and he needs to get up to this bridge. Cause like you said, you want to be there first. And here's this little one strength point horsey guy just standing in his way. And the calf <laughs> runs away and the infantry just stands there. And it's so frustrating, but it's so good. Yeah. And it can be, it can also matter for attacks because you can attack in, in, really three ways in this game, but let's say you're marching yeah. and you want to attack the hex you come up with. If you don't want a negative modifier, you have to spend more of your movement points. Mm-hmm. So if you have seven movement points, you spend two getting there, then you're going to spend another four to get a plus one modifier and do what's called a prepared attack. Well, cav can eat that up too. You know, they can eat three of your movement points if they roll well enough when they do their cav retreat. 
And so those those movement points can not only matter for maneuverability, but also because it's the Civil War, you don't have the command flexibility and the maneuverability of, of foot units to be able to roll up on a spot and immediately deploy into attack. So you have to use those movement points to be prepared for it. Um, the other way you can attack is you can do an assault. So you can activate a core commander if in a hex. already next to their target, yeah. Then everything in that hex, if you roll under their command rating can go in and attack that hex and then if you are playing a scenario that has an army or a uh gosh i can't even remember what the other thing is called most of the time it's army an army leader present they can then once you're successful in your assault then you can roll under the army leader's command rating and bring in adjacent hexes and that's how you get these big stacks yeah. so even and that again is just thematic because you you read about these attacks. I mean, just look at Antietam, right? If Antietam, if Union forces at Antietam were on the same page, that battle is a bloodbath. But because you have these staggered attacks and nothing is working, um, they're not working in unison, it, it turns into a, effectively a draw. And that that's captured so well here because you, you declare that I'm doing the assault, you fatigue them, you can get everyone ready, but not every division commander is going to be up to snuff or get the right orders or activate or whatever. And it's just all, it's, everything like that is just captured so well in GCACW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a game that really rewards maneuver and it's, it's not a tactical game, but in a lot of ways it kind of feels like it because yeah. maneuver is so important in this game. Um, especially, well, when you play the advanced uh, game, then supply routes come into it as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can raid the en- enemy's railroads and supply depots and things like that and really knock them off their guard, force them to go back. Um, there's a lot of cool things you can do, but the maneuver in this game in general is just really good in the series, I should say, but also yeah. in this particular uh, well, you can't, games. Other than, like, thematically, it's hard to break out you know, I, I, will, I will just go ahead and say it. Like, Petersburg, I like. I had a blast today. Mm-hmm. Just looking at the core game scenarios, I don't... The, uh, the base game scenario. So, when there are advanced rules in, in GCCW, those are typically long, overarching campaigns when you're talking about, like, capturing whole counties. And usually you're doing more than just... All right, um, you're doing more than the four days of the Battle of Antietam. Yeah. A typical scenario was not four days. It was one day, but the four days leading up to it. Typical Uh, scenarios for the basic are going to be, it's like three or four victory hexes and you're fighting over those. Yeah. So it's Petersburg has a lot. I feel like they ramp it up and they even like, they'll bring in a lot of advanced rules, which is that's present in other games, but uh, like they're four, they're covering like four days of action, uh, sometimes less, but I don't even know where I was going with the, this train of thought. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say that you're right. When you're, t- when we talk about GCACW, when we talk about On to Richmond Two, it's hard not to talk about the whole uh, series. And there's, broadly speaking, there's not a huge amount of difference other than topic between Roads to Gettysburg and On to Richmond Two, right? Mm-hmm. Other than what I was saying was Petersburg doesn't necessarily feel like my favorite. Okay. Now again, one standard play. And I read through all the standard scenarios to see what I wanted to play at KC Historical Gaming Group. So like I said, I haven't played Petersburg. Tell me more about why it's so different. Uh, the writing's on the wall, 
right? I mean, okay, sure. The, the peak of GCACW for me, and we actually talked about this a little bit today. Uh, Lee and Rex, who uh, who uh, played in our game, mm-hmm. that the peak of GCACW for me are, are things like Road to Gettysburg Two, yeah, um, Stonewall Jackson's Way, where it's more Antietam and Gettysburg are relatively equal footing right obviously union has manpower advantage things like that but petersburg is just it's the dregs of um the confederate forces Mm -hmm. whereas i'd rather just play grant tick's command where you're still kind of doing the same thing you still have you still have richmond as this pivot point uh, and it's still late war, and you still have Grant doing his thing. But Petersburg, it was it was very very good. It's still yeah. GCACW. Do not get me wrong. So actually, just, I'm glad you mentioned late war because that reminded me of one other thing: um, yeah. defensive structures in this game. Yeah. So depending yep. on what year you're playing, you have an entirely different option as far as how much you can build up your defensive structures, which it's makes true. early war games feel very different from late war games. I mean, yep. the late war games can almost turn into trench warfare. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. And I think that's also fits well. Yeah. With just, yeah. Especially in the Confederates in Grant Hicks command mm-hmm. in, in Petersburg campaign, because it's also kind of, you know, it's how it played out. So I think there is some difference. Like you can break the games out. A lot of it's going to come down to tactics and it's just uh, not tactics topics, but sure. As the, the series as a whole is very cohesive. There's Petersburg may feel different, but it's still very much GCACW. I, and that's, you know, we didn't do a whole rules overview. I've always said that the rule book seems more obtuse than what the game really is. The game is actually yeah. very straightforward. Yeah. There's the basic rule book, which covers every single game in the series, the basic rules. And yep. then every game in the series. And so in this one, there's three, more rule books because there's scenario rule there's game specific rules for every single one and those are going to be there'll be a few things at the beginning but it's mostly just all the ex, all the scenarios are in those but the the advanced rules the advanced rule book is bigger than just the basic rule book but you don't need it at all to play the except for the scenarios you don't need it to to play the the basic scenarios and most of the scenarios are basic scenarios there's yep. usually like in any game, there's probably six, seven, eight basic scenarios and one or two advanced scenarios. And those are usually the whole campaign. Yep. Yeah. A scenario might say, see advanced rule, blah, 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 yeah. for how to do um, mine attacks. Like if you're playing the crater or something like that, or how to handle amphibious or gunboats or, or something like that, mm-hmm. which is all covered in, in different games where, where it's applicable. Uh, we don't normally talk about this, but I was thinking we, we should because we never do. And that's just like components of the game because war games can have such a difference. And physically, this is a gorgeous and stunning game with great counters. Yeah, they are great. They look great. Um, there are a lot of informational counters that need to mm-hmm. go on every single unit. If that annoys you, that's going to annoy you, <laughs> you know. So, so you have to mark the fatigue. You have to mark the strength points. Um, you, it seems like there's something else too that I'm forgetting. But you know, one counter is is going to turn into three very quickly, at least. And we then joking around. you can have multiple, you know, 
units in the same stack. So the stacks can get high and it can get a little unwieldy. Oh, we can have things. Yeah, you can flip it over there. There's lots of different information that needs to be tracked for every single form unit. The next time I play this in person, I'm, I'm going to print the little sheets out where you track most of that stuff off the map and you just okay. have the main counter sure. present. Uh, because we made the joke that GCACW on Vassal is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> off Vassal, it's not a 10 out of 10. Because that. it's it's very much, that's why I mentioned I'd bring up Empire of the Sun, which you have always said Empire of the Sun is one of the best Vassal modules. Yeah. Full stop. GCACW on Vassal spoils me. And my last, other than solo play, and I very quickly switched to solo on Vassal for this. My last in-person GCACW was the entire Antietam campaign. And it's not as bad in that situation because you branch out so quickly. You will have big stacks, mm -hmm. but once you're playing like the whole map instead of just fi uh, fixed around Richmond or Petersburg, then the stacks aren't as unruly. <clears throat> but boy, once you're... Once you're really honed in in one spot, you get some big old stacks in one hex. And sometimes, like today, some of those stacks were locked in place for turn three. Yeah. And we, we, we replace them with the die. But if you don't, then it's like, okay, you have this giant, you know, one-inch tall stack. And <laughs> it's just there on the map. And you better not knock it over because you're not using it for two turns. Right. So the components are brilliant. they also include a counter that says put it on top of this so, you know, not to move <laughs> it till turn three. <laughs> exactly so yeah great components but boy is there a lot of them yeah and it 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 is vassal very much spoils gcacw players yeah yeah i agree so here's one thing i wanted to talk about because i i think it's kind of ridiculous if you miss the pre-order price do you know off the top of your head i mean i know um but it, do you know i'm guessing is this one 250 I think it's 220. 220. I said okay. I knew, but I, I, I think it's I think it's 220. Yeah. Um, so you're getting three games, uh, which really I would say you're getting two and a half games, maybe two games. Okay. Um, just because Grant takes command and Petersburg share counters. Cost is not directly tied to counters, as our buddy Bill would remind us. <laughs> but two hundred and twenty dollars for a gcacw tri-pack is a whole lot of money yep absolutely mmp Were games you... are getting expensive i've spent i mean this one uh, another one that i pre-ordered recently was the uh the uh the d-day game the one that hasn't come out yet with the americans it's expensive games it is, and it's hard to, on one hand, I wholeheartedly recommend On Richmond 2, especially for On Richmond and Grant Takes Command. Mm -hmm. um, but boy, is it's really hard for me to recommend a $220 game. I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah. And I I mean, there's so <laughs> many things are out of our control. You're playing designers, you're playing right. artists, you're playing MMPs printed in America, you're getting 30 scenarios. You're getting bang for your buck, but boy, the pre-order price on Roads to Gettysburg 2 was not $180. I, I think that was the MSRP, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. And I always said like, on uh, Roads to Gettysburg 2 was worth 
194 is the current MSRP on MMP's website for Roads to Gettysburg 2. So it, the pre-order price had to be lower than that, obviously. Um, man, that is... You can go get three solid games at any given moment for 220 bucks, And probably get some counter trades and, and throw in some extra shit, right? Like yeah. if, you're, if you're shopping smart. So... GCACW is both of us for both of us one of our favorite series of all time. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm speaking for you oh, because no, I, absolutely I know that's it does, the case. yeah. But that but, said, to your point, the games are getting more and more expensive. I've got I've got three great games in this series. Um, yep. You know, those three great games they'll they'll get me through for a while. I've I found myself just you know in general. I'd be in a lot more careful about the games I buy just because yep. I'm not spending as much for games that I'm not getting to play as much as I would like to anyway. So I agree one, 1000%. And this isn't a knock against MMP because everyone's doing it. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, there's, you know, the new tri pack of uh, the Carthage games coming out from GMT. Mm-hmm. The deluxe edition is like 80 bucks for three games, you know, yeah. but there's, there's so many things here that like go into factor these decisions that it's not necessarily fair to equate those things, <coughs> but gosh, why, like, why not? You know, other than Grant takes command had awful maps and, and shit like that. Like, <laughs> you could, if you wanted to go track down an older copy of one of the games that got reprinted in the GCACW line, I bet you could pick it up for very cheap now that the new ones have come out and uh like you'd be in really really good shape just playing those you're not missing out on that much other than new things or are you good just getting by with Stonewall Jackson's Way 2 which you could probably get for around 100 bucks that's only one game but Stonewall Jackson's Way 2 is a fantastic GCSW game I love that one yeah we haven't talked about it but I don't know it's it's just I just wanted to bring it up because we generally we tend to like the games we play we have some stinkers on our list and we've played some stinkers we've talked about but generally we're playing games we like and it's very hard for me to tell a listener hey go buy this 220 dollars game agreed that's yeah so take that into consideration because let's now move i guess before we get into it we we talked about our books i've talked about the gordon Rea books ad nauseum for the last couple months what I will just say is I finished the Battle of Wilderness. I'm going to keep going with the series, but they are very, very detailed. I very much enjoyed it. I gave it five out of five. Talked about them in the past. Gordon Rea, there's five books covering everything from May through Petersburg. Recommended. Now, the other book we both read, which I've talked about Stephen Sears in the past. He's a great author. If you want to read some Civil War stuff, we both read. I'm actually not done with it yet. I'm about halfway through it. To the Gates of Richmond by yep. Stephen Sears. Yeah. And I mean. Tell us about this one. It, it was a great book. I loved it. It was like it was in the sweet spot of this unit in this place versus, you know, throw a few stories in yes. there and things like that really hit the sweet spot for me. But um as much as any book as I've ever read that I was reading to go with a game, this was very much one that you could put down the map, you could put down counters, and you could act out the book on the map as you go. You're like, oh yeah, this is, you know, um, you know, 
slash church road or whatever it's called. And this is the river that they're crossing. And this is the swamp that they were fighting over. And I mean, it, it's all right there from the map to the book. And it's, it's a great way to read a book and learn and play a game at the same time. Yep. Agreed. Um, a landscape turned red is, is fantastic. And I've done both audio and physical of, of Steven Sears. Um, I would just say like, there's a good amount of maps in the physical stuff. Uh, that was landscape turned red. I would have liked maybe a couple more but i think it reads extremely great as both audio or uh if you're reading in print but yeah to the gates of richmond is and that covers that would you would read that for on to richmond too that's covering the 1862 but boy howdy listening to the whole story of mcclellan's peninsula <laughs> campaign is like the most frustrating thing it's awful he's so bad <laughs> like and how he's such a whiner <laughs> gosh he is he is such a character i don't know who's worth mcclellan or macarthur <laughs> oh i would take macarthur because at least he got yeah. the job done well that's actually that came up with like bill and yeah. i like at least that you know he's not like i don't know well i don't know if macarthur in the same time period he kind of seems like he'd be as big a douche as mcclellan too <laughs> probably big as big i don't know hard to say but probably well i i guess there's actually a lot of stuff about uh macarthur being racist so well, i'm sure him and mcclellan I mean, would it was be a, <laughs> it was 1862 i think they were right. all racist yeah that's that's <laughs> fair that's fair but uh, <laughs> clellan was maybe more sympathetic. Yeah. well definitely more sympathetic than others so yeah both douchebags in, in my book but it's just like so mad when Magruder is just like holding off the entire Union army with like 15,000 troops yeah. and just like marching back and forth. It's yeah. like, you idiot. And of course the Quaker guns, like that's just brilliant when uh, they hold them off at, uh, at bull run by just painting logs. <laughs> oh, so. actually. So here's one thing from the book. I never knew before that the Confederates used so many balloons for reconnaissance. I learned that from this book. Well, it's early in on in in the book when they talk about the Union balloon goes up and it becomes untethered and mm -hmm. it drifts over uh, Confederate <laughs> lines and then drifts back. And then like shortly thereafter, a Confederate balloon goes up and then drifts over and then comes back. But the deal with the Confederate balloons is they just they didn't have the fuel to keep them up. So mm -hmm. they just like they heated them with hot because I didn't know this either. They heated them with hot air and that and then just when the air cooled is when they came down. There was like no way to regulate <laughs> it for the Confederates. Yeah. And that was interesting. I never knew that yeah. they use balloons that effectively I mean, maybe not effectively, super effectively in quotations. But yeah. Well, to that level in the in the US Civil War. I mean so I knew the, uh, Union the, forces had used them. I did not know Confederates did. And it's laughable that the technology that they I know used. you said you haven't finished the book. Maybe you haven't got to this part yet. But the Confederate Air Force, if you want to call that, ended up, um, they, they deflated the balloon. They put it on a boat and the boat got sunk. So that proves to me that Navy's better than Air Force. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Okay. So before we, before we start talking about the books, I was going to say, as we get to our final thoughts, keep in mind the $220 price tag. Yeah. And it's such a good series that you can't go wrong with any of them. I mean, yep. some are better than others, but I mean, we'll rate this one in a minute, but there's a reason that they're all ganged up together there because it's the series that's such a winner. So if you don't have $220, find a cheaper GCACW game and you're going to love it. Yep. Yep. Just know there's been Im improvements, especially in like map quality and yeah. stuff. Oh sure, than, that's for sure. Things like Grant Hicks Command, but there's there's lots of them. Like Stonewall Jackson, 
Stonewall Jackson's Way, the original version of that would be perfectly serviceable or Stonewall Jackson's Way 2. All that being said, On to Richmond 2 for me is just another solid entry in GCACW. Particularly Grant Takes Command is the one I was most excited for. I, I really just wanted to start kicking ass with Grant. And On to Richmond 2 is a really fun game. Um, I... I think those are brilliant counterpoints to each other. You have the shit show that is the Union Army in 1862, <laughs> and then you have Grant returning to the same location, and you know, obviously not everything was smooth sailing at that point. There was lots and lots of attack and then attack again, which is so different than things in like 1862 and 63 and 64. You just look at like Gettysburg or Antietam. You have this big fight, and then... There's no union follow-up. In when Grant takes command on the peninsula, it is there's a fight, we lost, and we're going right back in. And we're gonna pivot around this side. All right. Maybe that one's a draw, we're going right back in. And mm-hmm. that's a particularly interesting area of history. So for me, I do recommend on Richmond to and it's GCACW, and there's thirty scenarios of it here in this book, and it's great. Cool. What about you? Any final closing thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, it's a great game. I would, I would, I would recommend it. Like we've already talked about everything about it, but yeah, the price could be unsettling. And if, if that's a problem for you, the series is so good. Find another one. Folks, we have a list, a list of every war game ever made ranked from best to worst. Best to Zeppelin Raider to Zeppelin Raider. Right now, US of War sits at the top of the list. We've ranked 71 games. This will be game number 72, just for reference points, which we'll probably need. Roads to Gettysburg is our highest rated GCACW game at number four. And then you have to scroll all the way down to number five to find our lowest GCACW <laughs> game, which is GCN Lanazar. So, um, I know where I put this, but usually I open my mouth first, so I'll let you yeah. uh, you set the tone. So time. I will. Um, obviously, we think it's probably going to be somewhere in that four to five range. <laughs> Maybe mm. it won't be, but um, so the thing that I love so much about Roads to Gettysburg is it's such a perfect sandbox. I mean, you've got this big, huge map. You've got like a road that sort of goes around the whole map, and I've played that I've played roads to Gettysburg campaign a few times and there's always going to be a big battle, but it's never at Gettysburg because Mm -hmm. that's just where it happened to be historically. But that wasn't the point of it. The point of it was there was a lot of open land and the armies were going to come together somewhere. That's why I love roads to Gettysburg more than any of the others. This one actually feels a lot more like Atlanta is ours. Atlanta is ours is, is more of a linear game. Like it's a long game where you just have to, keep going down the road toward Atlanta. And because of the rivers, this one has that same sort of feel. It's more of a narrow game, stay between the rivers, head toward Richmond. That said, um, this one has more in it than Atlanta is ours. Atlanta is ours is just a game. Although, you know, it's a long one. It'll, you know, if you, if you want to play the full campaign, you know, get comfortable. Um, but I would put this in between the two. I'd put this at number five and bump Atlanta is ours down one. Rich, we're in total agreement. All right. 
There we go. And <laughs> our list, and I, for, I forgot to mention, our list is 100% objective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rich and I clasp our hands together, fire up the mud wheel, put on our blindfolds. Probably not in that order because that would be hard to do if we were holding hands the entire time. But in some order, we then shape the mud, which is the Every War Game Ever list. I will allow my subjective bias to be inserted this one time. And a lot of it comes down to topic. Um, and the fact that my boy George Thomas is an army commander in Atlanta's ours and not a division commander. And you don't get to do cool shit with him. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, Grand Tech's command is the big deal here for me. I, I really like what I see in that game. And on to Richmond, too, is just a lot of fun as well. And it's just the fact that this has more in it. Atlanta's ours is rock solid though. Yeah. It's number it's about to be number six. Yeah. So don't if you're an Atlanta's ours fan, don't get upset about it because you're still in the top ten. But we're in agreement. Cool. Number five game of all time, ranked on number fifty two, is on to Rich Amanda two. All right, folks. We did things a little bit different this month because we knew we were going to be recording at the end of the month. Normally, what we do is Rich and I will stump for our preferred games for the following month. You can then go to patreon.com slash history table, become a patron, and you can vote in our monthly poll. We already did the stumping. That offline, knowing that we had a, a short follow-up time, we already know what we're playing in October. And Rich... The year of naval wargaming is back, baby. All right, yes. Old We're school playing. naval wargaming. Finally happened. I, th I think you stumped for this two months ago I did, and it didn't yeah. win. I think I did uh, it like, I, I think I have asked for it twice as well. So it's all, finally all things here. come back around. We're going to play Flying Colors. And this worked out beautifully because next month at the Kansas City Historical Gaming Group, we will be playing Fly Flying Colors Perfect. as a featured series. So, uh, yeah, Flying Colors from GMT. There's now several games in this in this series, and there's a, a newish set of rules out. Uh, so another series game, but we'll primarily focus on Flying Colors, the first one. So sweet. Yeah, naval gaming. So after that, well, we've only got two episodes left this year. Yeah, De yeah. December I mean, will be the revisit the list, right? Yeah, and you know what next month will be? No, that's what I was trying to remember, actually. <laughs> next month will be the top 20 games. Oh, that's the right. listener that's top right. 20 games and our top 20 games. Yeah. Uh, so let's get some details on that out of the way real quick, and then we'll open up the patron mailbag. we got a good question tonight. But, yes, it seems to be that time of year where every other online group and uh, every other Discord and every other podcast is doing their top 20 games of all time. So why shouldn't we? We're gonna, I'm going to try to clean up the rules a little bit this year and just condense some things that it makes sense to condense. I'll open this up to feedback. But we'll have all month to decide because, no, am I jumping the gun too early? I am. November november's episode will be our top 20 right yeah yeah that's what i thought when you said next month because we won't oh, have yeah, we are, a uh, patron we won't have a patron pick we'll pick. have a pick we'll, we'll have, have a pick okay. we should i don't see why not unless things get crazy in november for us okay i'm jumping the gun here a little bit which is why it wasn't in the show notes we have three episodes <laughs> left i think i think you saying we have two more left in my mind i just completely cut off october yeah so i was we thinking have, of two two pay 
patron games left, possibly. Yes. Although we don't do one in December, I think. No, we probably won't. Okay. Just because we'll have so much to talk about. Flying Colors, October. Patron pick in November. November's episode will also be our top 20. So we'll do it after everyone else has done it. When everyone's already spent and already made their list, and they can just very quickly submit it to ours. Cool. So should we stump for November then? Not yet. All right. No, we'll do that offline. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Short of it is, after all that rigmarole, folks, we're playing Flying Colors next month, and I'm excited. Yeah. All right, Rich. We have a question from not you, but Rich H. All right. You want me to read what it? What are I'll, – I'll read it. You can answer okay. first. What are our guilty pleasure games? Games that are probably not that good, but we still enjoy. Are we limiting this to war games? Uh, unless you no, no, I don't see why not. But okay. I mean, if you have a war game, that's bonus points, right? All right. Well, I, I've got a war game in mind anyway. Um, okay. I don't think it's like super highly regarded by a lot of people. It's a coin game, but for me, it's a uh, falling sky. Which is the uh, okay the yeah the Rome versus Gaul war game or uh, coin game? Um, I just it was that was the first coin game I ever played. I still really love it. I love the balance between the four factions. I think it plays really well. It's fun to me. Um, I just I I really enjoy that one. And it never comes up in a list of like the good coin games. You know, it's not like up there with like Fire in the Lake, but it's one that I will always enjoy. Rich, turn the music back on. Which music were we playing? All right, we'll turn it back <laughs> off. Let me let me tell you about the good word that is... Now, this game is amazing, and really, is it a guilty pleasure? No, because I am never guilty about the good, good dick, and that is Dutch Inner City. Now, you now saying, there's some controversy about the... What do you mean? Am I seeing that this new version is not the same game? Is no, that it's what the I same was, game. It's just it, new art. It? It'll be new art. Yeah, it should oh, be the same Oh, okay. Game. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um. Now, Dutch Inner City still has a seven on Board Game Geek. But so, is it a guilty pleasure? No. But if we're going like mechanically on what my biggest spread is in BGG ratings versus my ratings, Dutch Inner City for me is at ten. I got corrected on Twitter yesterday when I said it's one of the best games of all time. Someone said it's not one of the best games of all time. I disagree. <laughs> it is one of the best games of all time. Do I feel guilty about playing it? No, not even in the slightest. It is it is phenomenal. Uh, we I play a lot of games, and I play a lot of family games, and I thoroughly enjoy Ticket to Ride. Um, things like, like just straight up old school Ticket to Ride. Love it. Yeah. No, re I mean, it's one of the best selling games of all time. I shouldn't feel guilty about that in any way. Uh, I don't know if I really have one outside of that. You know, we played like a good old, a good amount of good old fashioned spades. You know, tickers are the new mm -hmm. hot thing, but still love good old spades. Um, I don't know. I liked ATS for a little bit. I don't play it anymore. I guess I should feel guilty about that because it's ATS. <laughs> I guess one other thing on the list that probably legitimately is not a good game is um, Thanos Rising. Oh, I I don't know if I heard you talk about this on here or back <laughs> Probably on Chance of Gaming, but I remember you mentioned this Yeah, one. so it is it is not a good game, but it's <laughs> fun, and I play it with the kids, and, you know, you collect the Marvel heroes, and you try to beat up against the bad guys, and, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's just really not that good a game, but it's fun, and I like playing that one with the family. And there's even another version that I think they call, I think it's Voldemort Rising, same thing, but with Harry Potter. So they've just reskinned it, 
But for whatever reason, I like the Thanos one better. I like the Marvel better than Harry Potter. Yeah, I'm looking behind me and like all the stuff that I'm like, I don't think other people would like that. I think has redeemable qualities. Like I think 1754 is not for most war gamers, but I've talked about that game yeah. a lot. I think that's a great game. I don't know if I have one because I feel like even though some people may like, I like um, like Sigmar games, which are massively popular mm-hmm. in the board gaming sphere, not as much so in the historical gaming sphere. Like oh, yeah. Red Rising is. Not everyone's favorite cup of tea. I th- I feel like I can have a redeeming quality in a lot of those games and not shit. I don't feel guilty about any of that shit. Sure. So don't feel guilty. Play your games. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You and I are yeah, both like very what, like what you drink what you, games. Drink what you want to drink. Like what you want to <laughs> like. Play what you want to like. I don't care. Yeah. You do you. And and I get the question, but I don't know. Mechanically, Operation Pegasus is flawed. Okay, it's dated. It's 40 years old. I've always, like, I've talked about that one. So, like, the mass public doesn't know about it. It desperately needs an update, but I legitimately like playing Operation Pegasus. So, there's one that is a game that probably is not good in today's standards. Mm-hmm. Um, it desperately needs some update, but it probably fits that not a guilty pleasure game, but a game that's not quote unquote good or mechanically sound. So, there you go, Rich. Thank you for the question. <laughs> if you want to send us some mail for the Patreon mail, join our Patreon, hop in the Discord, do all that stuff, give us some questions. Okay, Richard, before we get completely off the table, we did have, it's been a while since we've talked about one. Did you catch last week's GMT monthly update? I did, yeah. I did think the any- thing that jumped out at me the most was the uh the new levian campaign game that was the ippo that's the sicily one uh, the like it's a, it's from like year 400 or something yep, like that it's in yep, a, that's it i want to say older it's a new game but <laughs> older in time so that was the thing that jumped out at me the most i think yeah yeah good yeah none of it nothing was like Ooh, I, I got to get that or, or anything like that. I did think it was interesting that Mr. President had a second edition. I'm not gonna not gonna touch that. Um, yeah, I've seen people put it on the table, and it takes up a whole lot of table space. <laughs> um, yeah, I meant I'm not gonna touch in the in the fact that it already has a second edition. I don't oh, know okay. why yeah. it does, but yeah, because that one. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it just came out, but yeah. I mean, I guess good thing they're supporting Ep- it. Epipole is the game I was talking about. The Athenian yes. Expedition in Sicily. So some immediate upcoming stuff. We have uh, Downfall, which was yeah. designed by Chad Zins- Jensen and John Butterfield before Chad mm-hmm. Jensen died. That looks interesting. I'll always check out a Chad Jensen game. And I'm just looking real quick. Oh! Last hundred yards, Russian front. That is oh, yeah. next charging and shipment. I think I mentioned that at first, Russian front was not in my order, but after playing it, uh, it very quickly slid in. So I'm very excited for that. And that's about Tanamato. Sounds cool. A lot of this stuff is just stuff I want to play. That it's not necessarily going to. Oh, Min of Iron Volume Five is coming out. It's at the printer. So that's okay, be good. Soon as well. Yeah, I'll be getting that one. Hell yeah. Anything else from the update catch your eye? Uh no. The the and I'm I don't even think I'll pre order it, but yeah. the, the Levian campaign was the one that jumped out at me. 
Yeah, very, very cool. All right, folks, take all those take all those uh, GCACW maps and shove them on the ground <laughs> because it's getting spooky in here, folks. You can hide underneath them. <laughs> so, Rich, have you you have not started any spooky season stuff? Is that I've not read anything? I did see a pretty good spooky movie a week or two ago, but oh, yeah. Tell me more. Do you want to talk about it? Was it good enough to mention? Yeah, it was good enough to mention. It was called Insidious. Have you heard of this one? Oh, yeah. It's part of actually okay. a series, yeah. so we'll, we'll continue yep. on with it. But um, we're always, I think I've mentioned this before, I'm always looking for stuff to watch with my daughter that is not gory, but it's scary. And this was mm-hmm. a good one that fit the bill there. So very good. The jump scares were great. We, we enjoyed it so much that when my... <coughs> I think my wife was out somewhere and my daughter and I watched it together. And when she came back home the next night, we watched it again. So my wife could see it. And it was funny. Cause like the jump scares, <coughs> excuse me. Um, my daughter and my wife jumped at the same part again. So it was, it was good nice. stuff. Did you get a chance to listen to Sayer with, with your family? No, the, uh, no. Okay. I've not done that yet. So I'll mention that one up. That was mentioned by Rob over on our discord. He recommended Sayer which is a sci-fi, um, not overly horror, but definitely some spooky vibes going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentioned he listened to it while he'd run, and I while he is running, and I started doing the same thing. It is great so far, and I can't remember if I mentioned Magnus Archives or not. It's by the same production. It's on Pretty the sure same podcast. Sure, we have podcast. talked about it before. Okay, okay, all right. I couldn't remember, and that one uh, continues to to be good, and uh, I'll be interested. Uh, see how that all comes together but the one thing i have not mentioned yet that i have absolutely loved is a collection of two stories and i just about finished this afternoon while i was cleaning up the house the second one and that is a lush and seething hell two tales of cosmic horror by john horner jacobs the first one and i will i will not reveal any spoilers here this book came out about three years ago something like that the first one is a story about um like a revolution in a country a fictional country in south america and some some people who fled that country they get drawn back into that country and i'll I'll leave it there it's a very good creepy cthulhu lovecraftian uh cosmic horror vibe and the next one is very particularly interesting i think is uh my heart struck in sorrow is a someone who works at the library of congress that is collecting old folk songs and is following the footsteps of another individual who did the same thing in the 30s which was an actual pro- uh, project of the library of congress um and it it's all stemmed in in tracking down these folk songs and the uh, cosmic horrors surrounding those i really have enjoyed both of these stories uh, and that's by john horner jacobs a lush and seething hell highly recommended uh it's been a great spooky season read i would say do not listen to that one with your <laughs> uh teenage daughters it is very very graphic at at times um both um in the descriptions of some awful things that happen and just like it's sexualized at times. It doesn't bother me at all. I just want to listen to it with my kids. So there you go. Cool. Love it. Yeah. I'm really, really digging it. Yeah. Well, it is almost October. So I'll be looking for something. 
Yeah, I recommend it. It's on Hoopla too. So you, if you oh, have nice. that, you can. Uh, now, is Fall of the House of Fall of the House of Usher out yet? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I remember hearing about it, but I don't know if it's out. I don't know if it's out either. We actually don't have Netflix right now. First episode drops on October twelfth, so okay. that is the new Mike Flanagan show. Okay. Um, which we've talked about how we're huge fans of Mike Flanagan, especially sure. I think both of us the first couple. The first three shows, I'd say. I don't think I never saw the fourth one. You didn't watch Midnight Club? Uh, no, haven't seen it. Okay, we didn't. We didn't. My, my older Club. my older daughter did. I mean, okay, um, and she enjoyed it. But I've had actually a couple people tell me that, like, younger people will appreciate that one more than yeah. someone my age. I can see that. I mean, it was. It's rare for us to not finish something like that, and yeah. we just dropped it cold. I think I might rewatch Honey in the Hill House once we. Well, like if we go if we re-up for netflix then i i think i'll like really want to uh dive into that but yeah fall of the house of usher the trailers i've watched looks fantastic good any other spooky stuff mm, nah. all right rich i'm gonna do something i haven't talked done in a while i'm gonna talk about a euro game okay that's how good this is <laughs> have you played race for the galaxy yeah. that's not what i'm talking about but yes i have Okay, so you're familiar. For those who aren't familiar, if Rich performs an action, and let's say he does the explore action, he gets to draw like five cards and keep a certain amount. I do a less, a lesser version of the action that Rich chose. And if we both choose the same action, we get to do the same thing. Earth is very much in that same vein, and it is one of the best Euro games I've played in quite a few years. Um, you are planting trees. And you're trying to meet certain objectives cards. But if I if I take the action to plant trees, I'll plant two trees. And Rich, you'll be able to plant one tree. But that tree planting action is associated with the color green. So you look on your tableau and you look at the plants and, and cards you've planted. And whether you took the action or not, you get to do every green action on your tableau. So it has that race for the galaxy of lead and follow mechanic, but then it also has you're constantly engaged because you're looking at your tableau like, oh, if my wife takes red, like, yeah, take red so I can get some dirt and then I get to do X, Y, Z, boom, 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 boom. And everyone's just kind of doing this stuff. Uh, I really, really like and highly recommend Earth. It's it's one of the best Euro games I've played in some time. Nice. We need to get that I one mean, on other VGA. than like new, I should say new Euro games. We play a lot of our favorite Euro games all the time, like a I've got a feast roading going constantly on BGA, uh, but like a new release Euro game, it is uh, phenomenal. Sorry, what was your question? I said we need to get that on BGA. <laughs> it is on BGA. Oh, is it? I'll gladly fire a game up. Yeah, is, let's do that. Um, then. I have not the played rules... anything on BGA in a while. Okay, let's fire it up because so the rule book you can look at it. I don't know if there's like a watch it played, but if you understand that basic like Matt does an action, I'm going to do the same action but lesser, but then I get to do every red colored action on my tableau mm-hmm. kind of have the game there's like scoring cards that like objectives the first one to do it gets the most points and there's some scoring things that are like this is true for everyone at the end of the game and that's kind of the game and the rule book is the rules are i don't know six pages with full color examples it's not it's not hard to grasp but there's like 200 cards in the game so you're always like seeing different stuff i i really really like it cool yeah i will check that out Awesome. You got anything else you want to talk about tonight, Rich? Mm, I don't have anything. I'm I'm singing in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, St. Louis Historical Gaming Day. I'm actually going to be able to make it this month, I think. So that's on the 
21st and i don't know what i'm gonna play yet maybe flying colors nice we will be playing flying colors on the 28th it's a saturday that morning mm-hmm. starting at 10 a.m uh at tabletop slash cardboard cafe we play the last saturday of every month and we're trying this new thing where we feature a series so this month with gccw next month will be flying colors talked about men of iron there's a whole bunch of stuff on the horizon pretty excited for it uh good 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 anything else sir Mm, no i don't think so i know we're gonna try to find a time to get together for a columbia game but schedules are proving difficult yeah schedules are always always (laughs) difficult and little ones little ones only complicated yeah but folks thank you for taking the time to fit us into your schedule look at that segue if you want more of us in your schedule the number one place to interact with us is over on the history on the table discord there will be a link down in the show notes pop in come say hey join in the game ross on our discord fired up a game of nevsky with me the full campaign uh and it's we've had some great battles and it's also been like it's one of the my nevsky games that isn't ending like surprisingly early because someone forgot to yeah, leave all your units are going home <laughs> yeah exactly uh so it's i you know what i just like clicked over this is so funny i just clicked over and it's like look we're not making mistakes and i just realized that andreas just reached his service limit and he <laughs> had like two knights two men at arms and uh and two sergeants like he was like my main guy yeah. in the midst of a siege and i completely bungled it look at that still making mistakes anyways join the discord we're on the socials if you really want to interact there but discord's the best place anything else rich no nothing else from me all right good night everyone good night everyone <laughs>